It's our practice to read from the scriptures together and then look at what it means for our lives. So I want to invite you to stand with me out of respect for God's word, and I'll read the, the passage we're going to be looking at today aloud, and it'll be on the screen as well, and you can follow along. And if you don't have a Bible, I want you to know we always teach out of the Bible, and you'll see when you come in uh, up in the balcony and then down by the doors, there are some stations with Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to just take one. That's what they're there for, and you can just have that. That's our gift to you. But I'll read it aloud, and you can follow along. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, this is not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, by the way, ancient city in Turkey. These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Anybody who wants that, say amen. Uh, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much for standing. Well, uh, if, you have, if you have done the slog with us all summer long, you know that we have uh, started in the book of Revelation and gone all summer through the book of Revelation. If you remember, we started off, we talked about the central person in the book of Revelation is the Lamb and that the Lamb wins. And that the book of Revelation is a revelation of who Jesus is and what we can uh, expect from him. And then we looked at the beast, the dragon, and the empire, all the things that we have to resist if we're going to follow Jesus, the things that are against us. And we looked at all those crazy things that people uh, don't understand about the book of Revelation, the mark of the beast, and all of those, the end times, all those kinds of things. And then we've gone back to the beginning of the book, and we've looked at these seven letters to these seven different churches, and we've called this series The Imperfect Church because there is no perfect church. The church is imperfect the moment you and I walk into it. (laughs) You messed it up. Thank you very much for that. Uh, But today, we're we're wrapping this up. We're we're tying the bow on this, and we're going to move on next week uh, with a new series. I'll tell you about that in, in a minute or two. Uh, But here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about being a church like this church in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a Greek word. It means brotherly love. And it was an ancient city in Turkey. uh, And it was a church that prevailed. Just say, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to prevail. I'm going to prevail. Prevail means uh, you're going to outlast when all is said and done. You are still going to be standing. How many of you would like... When everything is said and done and life has sent all of its blows at you and people have done all that they're going to do to you, that you're still standing and you're not defeated. How many of you would like to have that? Yeah. We're going to talk about being a church that prevails, that outlasts. And so uh, he says things to this church like, you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So in other words, a church that prevails and outlasts is a church that is about Jesus' business, that we keep Jesus' word. Now, you might go, well, what is Jesus' word? You could go to Luke 9 and 10 when Jesus sends out his disciples. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to go wherever you go and find a person of peace, a man of peace. And if that's someone who likes you, if you find someone who likes you, 
And you're going to be through that person, be introduced to their network of relationships. And in their network of relationships, I want you to announce the kingdom and I want you to heal the sick. And then if you don't find that person of peace, I want you to tell them that the kingdom is still available to them, that my, my leadership in their life is still available to them. Shake the dust off your feet and move on, right? Thank you very much. Uh, that's Jesus' business, is that we announce and that we heal. We're a place that tells people about the kingdom and availability of the love of God and that we, we help people heal from the pains and hurts of life, physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every possible way. And then he says, you have kept my command to endure patiently. Listen, if you want to be someone who prevails, if we want to be a church that prevails, we have to be people that endure. (laughs) That means sticking with it and not quitting, being people of perseverance. Yesterday, uh, 50 or so people uh, that are connected to Team World Vision, they ran 20 miles. Now, if you've never done anything like that and you think they're crazy for doing it, they are a little bit crazy. I've done that myself a number of times, run four marathons. What you have to do is you have to say, I can keep going even when I want to quit. You endure and you say, I'm going to keep going. There's a phrase in one of the older translations of the Bible in English, the King James, that says long-suffering. We have to be the kind of church that's long-suffering. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk to you about three characteristics of a church that prevails. And I want to ask you to be a part of a church that prevails. And I want you to have a life that prevails. Anybody good with that? Okay, all right. Here's the first thing that a church that prevails does. The church that prevails is a church that is like Jesus. So how about if you and I together, how about if we become a church that is like Jesus? Uh, Jesus had this to say about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, Jesus is the light. Jesus is the, the when, when it's dark and it's nighttime, and even, even though it's your own home, you know, you know I, you, I do this because I, I know something about human nature because I do it and I think you do it too. Even at night, you worry because you know how the bed's here and something's here, and then if you have little kids, you wonder what they put in front of the bed that you're going to. So you, you very carefully feel your way to the light switch, and then you turn the light on, and what does the light do? It illuminates so you can see where to go. And we all need to see where we're going to go. Uh, now, this is something that Jesus, uh, Jesus quotes. He says, listen, uh, at the beginning of his ministry in Matthew chapter 4, he says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling, listen to what it says, in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. Here's what I know. Everybody is looking for the light. Now, you and I are not the source of light. If you remember, when we started this series, we talked about how uh, John says that Jesus walks among the seven lampstands, these seven churches. The lampstand is a, a metaphor for the stand. The church is the stand that the light goes on. We're not the light. I'm not the light. This church is not the light. Jesus is the light. On the stage of human history, Jesus is the light. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the light. So let's be a church that's like Jesus, full of light, full of hope. Full of joy. Full of, we're, at Christmas time, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to do a series called School of Joy. Anybody want to learn how to be a person filled with joy? Okay, we're going to do that at Christmas time. Uh, but now that, that raises some questions. If we're going to be a church that's like Jesus and that's full of light, okay, what's Jesus like? Well, Jesus was a sacrificial servant. He gave up his life for his enemies. And he had the power to overcome 
the worst possible thing. Now, if, if we're going to be a church like Jesus, then we're going to have to be like that. Because then we've got to ask the question, well, how close to that is our church? How, how sacrificial is our church? Are we willing to die for our enemies? Are we a church that's full of the power of the Holy Spirit? So what's Jesus like? How close to that is our church? And then you have to ask the question about you personally. How close to that am I to being like that? Am I a sacrificial person? Am I willing to die for my enemies or am I willing to post about them on Facebook and tell the world how wrong they are and what idiots they are? (laughs) Do I live with power every day? Do I have the power that I need to prevail? How close to, to that am I? Now, I, I, I'm like you. Um, I, I, have, I have problems and I have issues, and there are times I look around the church and I say, what's wrong with this church? What is wrong with people? Why, what, is, what is going on with people? Why don't they get their act together? What, what, what is the deal with people? But here's something that always comes home to me when I start to get, go down that train of thought is that I I realize that that means that there's something wrong with me because, listen, I am the church and you are the church. And so however we respond to things is how the church is responding to things. So when you say, what's wrong with this church? What you are doing is you're implicating yourself and I am implicating myself and saying, well, what is wrong with me? Because if I have a rotten attitude and I'm always looking for the negative, guess what? The church that I'm a part of has a rotten attitude and is always looking for the negative. You and I are the church, and so how we act and how we respond and how we think is the church in action. And so you and I are either building the church, we're either actively being like Jesus in the way we respond and think and all of those sorts of things, or we are using the church. And, and I, I just got to pause here. It's actually okay if you come in and you're not a follower of Jesus or maybe you grew up in church and it never really stuck and you thought, I just need something more in my life and you are here, it's really okay if you use us. Now, you say, wait, 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 what? It's okay if people use the church? What are you, what are you saying? Listen, if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your kids are using you. <laughs> They don't give you anything back. They throw you a bone every now and again. I love you. (laughs) And it keeps you going, right? They are using you. (laughs) You only see the fruit of what you've invested in them when they're about 30. Right? So we know that it's okay to be used. But listen, if you're here and you've been here for a long time and you're still using the church, that just means that you're immature and it's time for you to grow up and become like the parent who's willing to sack. See, that's a sacrificial act to say, I'll let you use what I do so that you can grow. So we want to be that kind of a church. We're the lampstand. Not the source. We're we're the thing that the light goes on. We're not the source of light. We're a perfectly imperfect church because it's made up of you and me, and all of us have issues. I have issues. You have issues. The people sitting in front of you have issues. The people sitting behind you have issues. I I had a professor uh, when I was in seminary uh, who who used to talk about uh, this kind of, you know, like, hey, you're going to serve in an imperfect church. 
And he used the analogy of marriage, and he said, you know, you've been married. At one, at one point, when you've just been in it, my wife and I had uh, celebrated 22 years on Friday. And, uh, yep, thank you. And we, we were, I, I, uh, I had a, a wedding yesterday and uh, inadvertently scheduled, don't ever do this, scheduled the rehearsal on my anniversary. That's a bad idea. Uh, so what I did is I went at lunchtime and met my wife and uh, took her out for lunch on our anniversary, and we were sitting there across from another people and told them it was our anniversary, and we, we jokingly, it was an, an older, um, older couple, and we jokingly just said to each other, you know, I'm, I'm in this far. <laughs> I'm not giving up. <laughs> uh, there, that, that professor, he would say, listen, at some point, you just look at the person that you've married, and you say, well, at this point, you're stuck with me. <laughs> and, and kind of as a church, we kind of got to do that. We got to kind of have that mentality. I'm in this far, and hey, I know you got issues and I got issues, but we're stuck with each other, and we're going to make this thing work. We're going to do whatever we can to make this thing work. So then this is what Jesus says to us. He changes the language. He says this, Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Remember, Jesus is the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, neither do the people uh, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. What's Jesus doing? Jesus is transferring his ministry to his church, to you and me. He's the light, and he transfers it to you and me, and he says, now shine. Now shine. So let's be a church that takes that up. That's the first thing. This is the second thing, if we're going to be a church that prevails, is uh, a church that prevails aggressively reaches people and builds them to be like Jesus. A, a church that prevails aggressively reaches people and builds them to be like Jesus. Now let me, if you've been around here, you've heard me say these things before, so none of this will be new. Uh, but we want to be a church that is for the 75%. Here's what that means. That means when you're going about your day, uh, and three out of four of the people that you run into really have no use for God, and they really have no use for the church. According to statistics and people who study those kinds of things, one of those three people uh, is someone who used to be a part of the church, and they are, are called now the de-churched or the nuns, the people when they answer and say, what's your religious affiliation? They check the box that says, none. Some of those people became a nun or a de-churched because they got fed up with the way the church does stuff. They saw people being too political and using, uh, changing their faith into a political game and using their faith for political power. And they said, I don't want any part of that. They had people who judged them and who got mad at them. And they said, I don't want any part of that. They saw too many hypocrites and it was hard for them to look at themselves as a hypocrite. And they said, I don't want any part of that. Then the other two people, they, they just either didn't grow up around anything religious. They have no concept of God. According to statistics, uh, it's about 92 to 93% of our country believe in God. In other words, they believe, though, in some kind of higher power. It's this generic, when we say the word God, it just doesn't really mean anything. It's like, yeah, there's probably a God, and I don't really know what God's like, but, you know, I believe in God, sure. And we want to be a church for those people. And so that's why we do the things that we do. This is why when you're here, we talk in plain language. We don't use a lot of churchies. Uh, we sing songs that you hum in the shower. Uh, that's why we do everything in a way that's accessible to people, and we just try to be real because we know that people are searching for real, and so we want to be a church that does things that are real. It's why we give money away in the Christmas offering. It's why we serve people all the time. It's why we collect boxes of stuffing. It's why, it's why we do everything, because we want to reach the 75% aggressively. We want to go after those people. 
And then what we want to do is we want to then, so that leaves 25%, right? We want to mobilize the 25%. If you're sitting in the room right now, that's you. And we want to serve you and we want to build you up and we want to love you so that you can be the church doing the things that Jesus did, announcing in your world the kingdom of God. Hey, there's a new reality that's available to you. It's the love of God. And being then an agent of healing wherever you go. (laughs) We want you to do that. We want to mobilize you so that you can do that because the church is for the world. Jesus came for the world. God so loved the world that he did. You know that famous verse in John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So we want to be for the world. And then we will, what we want to do is we want to reach the 75% by mobilizing the 25% to reach 1% of our two counties. There's 600 and some odd thousand people, and we'd love to reach 1% of those. And so... Uh, there's a unique thing when you look at the ministry of Jesus that he did all kinds of things where he announced the kingdom of God, he healed the sick, cast out demons, people, things that were oppressing people, things that kept, kept them trapped, the addictions, the mental illness, all the, all the things that kept them trapped. He set them free. And as a result of the personal ministry that he did and he equipped his disciples to do, uh, the scriptures say repeatedly that great crowds followed him. And so we think that the result of you doing personal ministry is that great crowds are going to say, I want to know more about Jesus. And, and listen, we're, we're not trying to get great crowds so that we can be a big church. We want to be a church with big-hearted people. Does, does that make sense to you? Yeah, we want great crowds, but because you are a big-hearted person, that's why we want great crowds. So here's, let me give you a picture of where we could be three years down the road. Um, and I'll give it to you in, in three numbers that I think we have on the screen right here. A, a, a hundred is the first number. A um, hundred groups. We're getting ready in January to launch uh, life groups. We're going to start some pilots here uh, of those groups with some leaders in just a, a, a few weeks. And um, this is just a small group of people that would meet in someone's home, eight to 12 people. And you will hopefully become friends who become family who you, you have a goal, you just get closer. You get closer to God, you get closer to each other, and you get closer to the needs of the world. And we'd love in the next several years to have a hundred of those groups. That's like, that's a thousand people who say, not, do, not that I just see some people on a Sunday, but I have some people that I call my family. Because it's great that you're here and you're sitting in rows like this, but how, how do you... How do you let someone inside your life if you're just looking at the back of their head? You can't. It just doesn't work. So what you have to do in addition to, to saying, okay, I want to show up and I want to learn and I want to be inspired, you also have to sit in, not just rows, but in circles. And so when you sit in a circle with a small group of people and it's a safe place because the, the leader makes it a safe place and makes sure that you everybody can trust, then what happens is you can tell the truth about yourself. And when you start to tell the truth about yourself and be honest about where you are in your life, then you become someone who is known. Listen, we'll never be a church where you can know everybody because there's too many people, but we can be a church where everybody is known by somebody. That's one of the hungers of our hearts is for someone to know us and still love us. Well, guess what? You, You can't do that in a room like this, but you can with eight or 12 people sitting around a living room somewhere. So uh, over the next um, couple of years, we want to launch 100 of those groups. Then we'd love to see uh, 600 people that are baptized. We do baptism. It's an amazing thing. We hear people's stories. But over the next three years, if we baptize 600 people, 600, see, that, that's 600 people 
who have the trajectory of their life radically changed. They were going this way and everything wasn't working and then they met Jesus and they went, oh, I can turn around and go that way. My life's totally different. And when, you, when, we, when we dunk someone under the water, that represents a change for their entire family tree. And we'd love to baptize 600 people. And then maybe that would result in a, a couple thousand people who would show up here on a weekend and they would be, again, this, the goal is not that, that's not the number, that's not the point. This sitting in this room is not the point. This is just a place that people come for inspiration and they're looking for, they're looking for hope. And I mean, we'd love that if that were the case. So 100, 600, and 2,000. And, and frankly, this is more than we can do. Uh, we're going to need the power of God's Holy Spirit to do this, and we're going to have to learn together how to access the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to learn how to access the power of the Holy Spirit in our everyday life and operate in the power of God's Holy Spirit. And again, remember, the reason that we do this is because we are for the world that God so loves. We are, in our language, for the region. And the reason we started this whole four thing is, is there are so many churches that are known by, for what they're against. We don't like that, and we're against those people, and we don't like people who do that, and we, they just send out these messages that say, you're not welcome here. And, and we feel like, okay, that kind of misses the heart of Jesus. And so we want to be a church that's known by what we're for, not what we're against. You probably have seen some people that, ha and some of you have them, you have the little four sticker. We've got some out at the start here desk if you want to get one after the service today. But they say for the region and we'll put it on people's cars. And if you remember at in Palm Sunday, the week before Easter this year, we passed those out and we said, hey, go through the drive-thru and pay for the person behind you and just tell them, hey, I hope you have a great day. I'm for the region. Just wanted people to have a great day and just, just do that. And some of you did that. Uh, right after Easter, someone tagged me on Instagram uh, with a picture. They, they put my little handle of Instagram because they, they wanted me to see something on someone's uh, Instagram page. And so I, I clicked the link and I looked at the Instagram page. And it's someone that's in the region that runs a podcast. I don't even know what it is uh, or who the people are. But they had this thing and it said, this podcast is dot, dot, dot. And then there was a video of that person taking a For the Region sticker and then peeling the sticker off, and they had this desk, apparently, where they had all these different stickers, and they were putting the For the Region sticker on the desk. And I'm like, okay, what, what's that about? So I read through the comments, and, and someone said, hey, that's a really cool sticker. That's really awesome. Uh, what does it mean? And the guy said, well, I don't really know, I just, but we're just For the Region. We, we just want to be that way. We want to be For the Region. And I said, oh, that's really cool. Where did you find it? This way he said I picked it up out of the trash. <laughs> and so I, did, I jumped, I didn't say, oh, I'm the pastor of Real Life Community Church and we had launched this, blah, blah. I didn't say that. I just got on and I said, you just demonstrated exactly what this whole thing is about, is that there is hope for people who feel like they're in the trash. And that's everything. <laughs> that's everything our church is about. So we want to be a church like that, this aggressively reaches the people who go, I'm, I'm just in the trash. How do we do that this year, okay? That's some big goals. How do we do that this year? And this is, this is, uh, this is, this is about the next 12 months of your life. And um, I, here's, here's what I find with people is they, they often live the same year over and over again. Uh, they're not any different year to year. <laughs> they just wash, rinse, and repeat. They don't grow. And I don't want you to have the next 12 months like that. 
Uh, because this is the third thing that a church that prevails is it, it's a church that loves. It's a church that loves. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your past is. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know uh, the family that you were raised in. Uh, um, you, you don't know all of my background and all what I've been raised in. And maybe you look at me and you say, and I've had people say this, well, you're a pastor, you know, and you just raised in a perfect family and everything went great for you and my life is really challenging. And, and I just want to say, it's, being a human being is hard. It doesn't matter what family you were raised in or what experiences you were given. Today, we're all on the same starting line. Wherever you came from, whatever else you think other people are capable of or not capable of or wherever you think you are, we're all on the same starting line trying to make our way forward. And what we need is we need a place where we can learn to love. And so here's what I want to say to us, okay? And you're going to hear a lot about this over the next year. I want this to be the year of love for us as a church. Um, I want us to get good at receiving love and giving love. Now, some of us only know how to receive love. We're consumers. Like, love me, love me, love me, love me some more. <laughs> hey, love me a little bit more. We don't know how to give love. You're, if you're doing that, you're a consumer. Right? You're using. We want to help you grow past that. Some people only know how to give love, and they don't know how to receive it, and so they burn out. I want us to learn to get good at receiving and giving love and now here's what i know you can't love in theory or in isolation you have to be around other people because it's the person in front of you that you and i are called to love love is not a private spiritual act love is your faith made public there's this repeated phrase all the way through the letters of the new testament and the phrase is one another one another and some 50 some odd times there are all these uh exhortations, encouragements, challenges to do things for people who are Christians to one another. And, and I've made a, I put a whole bunch of them on the screen. I'm not going to read all of them to you. Um, but this is a, a way we love. These are some of the words of Scripture that we're to be at peace with one another, love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another above ourselves, live in harmony with one another, stop passing judgment on one another, accept one another, instruct one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. Got to know the cultural context. Have equal concern for each other, serve one another in love, carry each other's burdens, be patient, hearing... Uh, with one another, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other. Live in harmony with one another. I mean, the list just goes on and on about the things that we're to do. Love, in effect, is learning to, using this language here, is learning to one another, one another. And so here's what I'd, I'd like to invite you to be a part of. I'd like you, over the next 12 months, to learn to one another, one another. <laughs> Because if you were to take that list and that's just how you interacted with people, I'm telling you, you might have the best 12 months of your life. Um, love is the highway we travel that takes us to God's destination as the people of God. If you get off the highway of love, you are missing the mark. You are not on the path. And in all honesty, I, it just, I, I reflected on me and my role in this as, as, a, as a pastor of our church. And I realized one thing I need to change, because we're all going to need to change for this to work. And just one thing, I've got more than one thing to change, but this is a public thing, is I, I think sometimes I make things too much about you, the individual. And I talk too much to you, and I want your life to be better. And I do, I want all that for you. Uh, and I'm, I'm committing, you're going to have to help me, you have to remind me, um, to change my language and talk about us, because this is what we're doing together. We're the church. It's us. 
we're in this together. But I want this to be the year of love. Now, I'm going to give you two really practical things to do, and then we're going to receive um, the elements of communion together because this represents the table of the Lord. This represents uh, the house of God where you, the door is open. <laughs> the message of Jesus is that the door of God's house is always open, and anyone can come in at any time and eat a meal at the table because everybody's welcome. But I want to give you just two really practical ways in the next week that you can begin to implement this as we learn over this next year to have a year of love where we learn to one another one another. Um, one is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out a, a, a survey this week, and I would love your input on how, what are the things that we need to talk about when we're in this room that will help us learn what the scriptures say about loving one another? What are some things that you want to hear about from the scriptures? What are the things that you're struggling with in your life? I'll put that out this week. That'll really help me as I, I do my part of planning. And then the second is very, very practical, is next Sunday's kickoff Sunday, but we're also kicking off a new series, and we're calling it Relationship Hacks. Uh, do you know what a hack is? Some of you that are older, you're like, a hack? What are you talking about? Uh, a hack is like someone who, in, in older language, is you know, someone who's trying, but they're not succeeding. This is not that. This is like shortcuts. Like my 10-year-old came to me this week and said, uh, you know, hey, uh, Dad, did you know there's a hack for that? And he was telling me some silly thing as a 10-year-old. So they got a slide on the screen right there. And, and here's what we're going to talk about over the next, uh, next several weeks. We're going to give you um, a goal from the scriptures, and then we're going to give you a tool every week that will help make your relationships better. Now here's the list of what we're going to talk about. And um, uh, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd, li I'd like you to take out your phone right now. I'd like you to snap a picture of this screen and then I want you to post it on social media this week and invite somebody. We'll have some more info about this on social media. But we're just going to give you a tool. So next week we're going to talk about how to connect. How do you really connect with another person in a way that bridges the gap so you don't feel this distance between you and people? Um, then the next week we're going to talk about being honest. I'm not talking about being a person who doesn't lie. I'm just being honest about what you feel. Honest. We're, we're going to give you some tools. Now, uh, and then the week after that, we're going to talk about how to love yourself. It is so hard to be in a healthy relationship with another human being if you don't like yourself. So we talk about how you can do that. And then I'm, I really am looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to all of them. But I hear this over and over again. People say, well, I've been burned, and so I don't trust people. Well, how do you learn to trust again? Because if, if, you, if you never trust anyone... <laughs> you're going to be destroyed. I promise if you trust one person, you're going to be hurt at some point. But if you never trust anybody, you're going to be destroyed. So we're going to talk about how to do that. And then the last week, we're going to talk about how to communicate, how to just talk in a way that you can get your point across and you can hear someone else. And, and, but it's going to be super, super practical. Here's what I know is in, in people's relationships is the majority of the pain of life, if they don't know how to do it well, and in people's relationships is the majority of the joy of life when they learn to do it well. So I, I'm, gonna, I'm personally committing to inviting 10 people to be a part of the series over the course of the series. And um, I'd love it if you'd invite some people, some friends, some neighbors that you say, man, they, that would be a really big help to them. We're going to make it a lot of fun and be a part of that. But um, I, 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 that's, that's us beginning the kickoff of a year of love, a year of love. Well, I want to invite you to stand with me if you would. And the band's going to play. And as they do and as we exit, I want to invite you to come down and take some of the bread.
And the bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for you. And I want you to take it and I want you to dip it into the cup that represents Christ's blood that was shed for you. And then I want you to eat it and be thankful and go knowing that you have a seat at the table. And as you go, one of the missions of your life is that you would go out these doors and in the relationships that you would have with people, where you work, where you live, that you would let them know that there's a seat at the table for them too. Even if they feel like they're in the trash. Especially if they feel like they're in the trash. So I'm going to pray, and then as they sing, I want to invite you to come forward, and then you're dismissed after you receive the elements. God, we want to be a church that prevails. We want to be a church that's like Jesus, that's like you, that's full of light, full of joy. Uh, God, we want to be a church that aggressively reaches the people that you came for and that does everything that we possibly can to build people up and help them learn to trust you and trust other people. And then, Lord, we want to be a church that's full of love. We're so tired of getting dinged by life. We're so tired of getting dinged by people and their words and our own reactions, and we want to learn to love. And so help us this year as we learn over the next 12 months to become people who can give love and receive love. And so now we receive these elements um, of your meal that welcomes us to your table, and we thank you for them. We pray this in your name. Amen. Come forward.